Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good afternoon, or should I just say afternoon? Because if I'm being honest with you, it's not a good afternoon for me right now. I'm still... I'm still trying to process what just happened, and it, it, it brought back these emotions and these feelings that I don't like experiencing. I do not like the feeling that I'm currently having, and so I thought, you know what? You know how I do things for this podcast. I like it to be very real, very organic, and very transparent, so it would be absolutely fraudulent for me to turn on the microphone right now and say, welcome everyone, and just talk as if everything was normal, because inside of me right now, things are not normal. I feel this just like, oh, everything is just so out of whack. I do not like this feeling, but if you'll stay with me, I will explain everything. So in the meantime, let's, let's do an official, an official introduction, all right? Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome, everyone. It is Monday, January the 16th, 2023. It is currently 3.16 p.m. Central Time, and I'm coming to you live from the Theology Central Studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. There, was was that, did that sound okay? Did that give the impression that everything is okay? Because everything is not really okay. Now, I know it's three, it's three something in the afternoon. I should have already done an episode of the Today's, uh, Today's Focus podcast series. Obviously, that did not happen. So I, I could have turned this into a Today's Focus podcast series episode, but they're only supposed to be 15 or 20 minutes long. And I, I just need the time right now. And I'm not going to, res- to restrict myself to 15 or 20 minutes. I'm going to talk as long as I need to, and it doesn't matter if anyone else even listens to this because it's for my own peace of mind. It's for my own mental health, if that makes any sense. Let me explain. In my Christian life, I've kind of gone through these phases, and I think, I think a lot of people go through these phases in their Christian life if they're open and they're honest with themselves, all right? When you first become saved, you have that initial enthusiasm, that passion, and that zeal. You don't have the knowledge, but you have a passion. You have a zeal. You have an enthusiasm for, okay, Christianity, the things of God, and you're all excited about it, right? You remember that initial enthusiasm that you had? I think I think many Christians, not all Christians go through these phases the exact same way or these stages, but I think this is a normal one. But there's, a, there's you're, you're very naive. You, In fact, at the very beginning, you just may think, oh, you're a Christian. Well, I'm a Christian. You're a Christian. I'm a Christian. And you just think, well, you know, we basically all believe the same thing. We all believe in the Bible. We all believe in Jesus. We believe basically the same thing, right? There's very, there's not, there's not much to disagree on. And so you're just trying to learn the basics and, and you don't even realize maybe at that time, well, wait a minute, that sermon is saying something different than that sermon. You're just listening to everything you're reading. You're getting all excited and it's wonderful. And you, and you may find yourself struggling a little bit because you have this passion, you have this zeal, and a lot of other people don't seem to have that same passion or that same zeal. So that may frustrate you a little bit. You may be excited to, to do a lot of evangelism, telling as many people as possible. You, you can't wait to go to church. You can't wait for Bible study. You're listening to sermons. That's a, that's a beautiful time, right? Because in some ways, it's beautiful because you're so naive <laughs> that you just, a lot of the things, a lot of the negative things you're not even aware of at the time. So I remember that stage, just exciting, learning, growing, kind of thinking that everyone was on the same page. Then there was, so there was kind of the initial stage that, that I'll call that, that excite, exciting stage, that, that stage, that, that stage that is uh, identified by zeal and passion, a newness, that new stage, right? As a newborn babe, that newborn babe stage. Then over a little bit of time, you begin to realize quickly, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. 
So you believe if I don't speak in tongues, I don't have the Holy Spirit. Okay, wait, 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 what just happened here? So I got to speak in tongues. Okay, wait, so you believe that God speaks to me outside of the Bible. Well, wait a minute. We believe God speaks to, okay, wait, so you are baptizing babies. We don't baptize babies. You believe, wait, you believe the Lord's Supper does, wait, you, and then all of a sudden you start realizing, wait a minute, there's massive disagreement. So then you start having all kinds of questions and you start trying to figure it out, right? So you go from that kind of new stage, that stage of zeal to, the, to now one of maybe a little bit of questioning and confusion. And you start trying to figure out, wait, what about this and what about that? All right. So you kind of go from the new stage to the stage of questioning and confusing confusion, trying to figure it all out. Right. So newness to questioning and confusion. And I think you understand that stage. You're just trying to, well, why do they differ than this? And what about this? And what about this? And what? And you start seeking those answers. Maybe you start listening to certain sermons, certain teachers, reading the Bible, signing up for classes, whatever. You're just trying to get this information. Then at some point, you go from newness to questioning and confusion, and then you enter a third stage. And the third stage is now commitment to your team. You're committed to your team. Now, whichever team it is, right? It, it's almost, it, it, this is where you almost enter into gang warfare, right? Because you're like, no, our colors, right? We're, oh, we, we wear the red or we wear the blue. I've got my colors. I got to flash up my gang signs, right? We're Presbyterians. We're Lutherans. We're Baptist. We're Charismatic. We're Pentecostal. We're, we're Church of Christ. We're, we're, we're whatever. We're non-denominational. We're interdenominational. Whatever the case may be. And so now you're kind of committed to your side, right? Now, because it's still relatively new, you still have that passion and that zeal. So you go from that newness stage to the questioning and confusion. Now you go to this passionate commitment to your team, right? Yeah, and guess what you want to do? You're going to tell all the other teams that they're wrong. You're going to you're going to go rush out. You're going to go and it's it's charging everyone with a water gun telling them you're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're wrong. You're in sin. You don't know what you're talking about. And and then you spend a lot of time maybe debating, arguing, trying to prove people wrong and it's and that stage sometimes can last a long time. Some stage that can last a long time in the life of a believer because you just want to, you want to, because you're, you're still so passionate because you feel like you've got the truth now, right? You feel like that this is the right interpretation. Why don't you see it? Why don't you see? And you do a lot of arguing and debating. Now this stage can have its benefits, but it can be very devastating because it can lead to spiritual pride. It can lead to arrogance. It can lead to judgmental, condescending. There's a lot of negativity that that finds itself in this stage, and it can get ugly. It can be good, right? Because sometimes you can help people, but man, it's a it's a dangerous stage. And I remember being in that stage a good portion of my Christian life that I was going to go show everyone how their theology was wrong, my theology was right. I was going to convince everyone. So you have the new stage, you have the confusion, questioning stage, and now you have the committed to your team stage. And I believe there's another stage that can emerge. I don't know if some people get to this next stage, but at least for me, the next stage was almost a, I don't even know what we call this next stage, it was almost a painful awareness of the reality, right? Like you have the new stage, you have the confusing questioning stage, you have the committed to your team stage. And then there's almost like this painful awareness of the reality of the situation that all the fighting, all the arguing, all the debating, all the judging, and you kind of just realize, wait, th- there's this whole thing is broken. This whole, it's almost like this painful awareness, like, what are we doing? What are we really accomplishing? It, 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 it seems like we love our team more than we love Christ. We, it, it just seems like something is so wrong in it. And, and I, a long time ago, began to, to ch- kind of, I moved from the, I'm going to try to convince everyone to I kind of move to a stage where, uh, okay, 
Okay, it says, I'm, con- I'm considering like despair stage. Uh, this, uh, that sounds super negative though, but maybe that stage feels that way. I, I agree. I, I, there's almost a despair. There's almost just a despair. And I'm glad someone can relate because man, that's what I'm feeling right now. Um, um, just kind of just total despair. Like I, and, and, and what happened is I just felt like at some point you realize Man, nobody agrees on anything. Now, I know we can try to argue that everyone agrees, but the reality is they don't. You can look at commentary after commentary. I mean, you can try to convince, and I know people will say, no, 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 no. There's agreement. There's There's agreement if you want to look for the people who wear your colors. If you want to look for the people who wear your team. But I think most Christians who've been within Christianity for any length of time realize it's just never-ending argument. Never-ending debate. And here's the thing. Everyone believes their interpretation is the right interpretation and every other interpretation is the wrong interpretation. And it's just at some point you're just like, I, I, I'm just done with the arguing and the debating because what's the point? What's the, now you can say, but you could convince someone. I, I'm really, I really wonder how much convincing literally occurs. Like if you take all of the debating and all of the arguing, and all of the judging and condemning and the arrogance, I wonder how much actual true convincing occurs. I, want, am I, I think people are convinced more by their own struggle with a doctrine, their own research and study, and then they come to the conclusion that it's wrong, more so than someone like, you, what about this? What about this? What about this? I, I don't think that that, I, you, you just, it just, it's maddening. And I just know that it, it doesn't matter what your view is. I mean, you just name the view. There's a counter view, right? You believe this about baptism? Someone else believes something else about baptism. You believe this about the Lord's Supper? Someone else believes something else about the Lord's Supper. You believe this about church structure? Someone else believes this about church structure. You believe this about salvation? Someone else believes something else about salvation. You interpret a scripture one way, there's people who will interpret a different way. And and it's just, it's just maddening. It's just literally this stage of, it's just, I, despair is a good name for it. But I, I understand that excitement stage. I understand that confusing stage. I do understand that being committed to a team stage. I really do. But man, at some point, you either have to just live in denial or you wake up one day going, isn't it pathetic that after 2000 years, it's just never ending arguing? And sometimes I, sometimes I wish I could just go back to the, the first stage and just not know anything. Like if I'm just ignorant of everything. But the reason I'm talking about this today is because here's what happened a little while ago. There's a Discord server. Someone invited me to it. I don't even remember who. And it's something about like, I don't know, Christian debate, something like that. And I just kind of hopped into the server just to say, okay, well, someone so invited me. All right, whatever. I'm just going to look around. And then I was just going to kind of like, hey, I showed up. And then I was just going to leave, right? Because I have no desire to, I just was trying to be nice because I didn't even know who the, I don't even remember who the individual was who who uh, invited me. I was just, you know, because that whole debate world, I just know, man, it's ugly. It's ugly. And it's just, ugh. Yeah, you can convince yourself we're doing such good work, but it, I think when, when you get into those situations, you immediately realize that people are just there to try to convince you that you're wrong. So I, I, I don't remember exactly, I think the very first second there, someone, I, I had to post like, I'm, I'm, this, I'm from this per, back, theological background, and immediately someone said, I would like to talk to you. And I think my first words were, do you want to talk? Or do you want to convince me that I'm wrong? Because there's a big difference, right? Hey, I would like to talk to you. Well, why do you want to talk? Well, I've got questions. Oh, because you're curious about what I believe or you already know what I believe. You're already convinced that what I believe is wrong and you just want to tell me that I'm wrong. Well, then is is that worth, I mean, what are we going to accomplish? If you already know my perspective and you already disagree with it, what am I going to say? I know this is shocking, but you take every passage of scripture where there's been arguments, right? Baptism, Lord's, you name it. It doesn't matter. Uh, election, a reformed view, uh, uh, say an Augustinian view of soteriology versus a Pelagian view of soteriology, whatever the view is, whatever scriptures you list, you do realize 
that they've all been interpreted the different ways. And that I can't, like, if you already know the way the Baptist interprets a passage, well, what do you expect me to do? Offer a new, unique interpretation? If you already reject the Baptist interpretation, then me offering up the Baptist interpretation a fourth or fifth or a hundredth time that you've seen it is not going to convince you. If you've already seen the interpret. There's no point. It, it's like, so do you really want to discuss? And I think they said, oh, I just would like to talk or something along those lines. And I kind, I kind of ignored it. Well, today, I, 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 th- I was up here in the studio thinking, okay, I'm going to go live. I'm going to do a today's focus, right? I had this, I thought this really good today's focus um, ready to go. Uh, and I thought, okay, I could do that. And they said, hey, um, I'd like to chat about this. And I'm like, okay, all right. So he said, come, uh, I can't remember, I I don't remember exactly how it worked on Discord, but basically, you know, go here and then we can chat. So I I, I drop in to where they have it set up so that we can chat and I walk in and it's not just that individual, there's multiple individuals and it's all multiple individuals who clearly don't hold to my view on any, I'm the, I'm the reformed quote unquote Baptist. And they're all either Presbyterian Catholic. I don't know. They, they seem to all have a different view. And it's just, it's, it felt like right from the word go, boom, they were there to tell me that I was wrong. They were there to tell me that, I mean, I was told specifically that I'm in sin as a pastor, that I'm in sin as a Christian. I'm in sin. I mean, like, they don't even know me. It wasn't start, it didn't even start off like, so tell me a little bit about you. Like, you know, try to break the ice, try to get to know each other, establish some kind of, you know, communication skill. It wasn't anything like that. It was just immediately like, boom, you know, you're, what about the church fathers? What about this? What about Acts 2.37? What about that? And it's like, what in the world is going on here? I mean, like, am I, was I invited here because you just had questions or was this just like, we're going to bring in this Baptist and tell him that he's wrong. Well, I already know you think I'm wrong or you would be Baptist. Obviously, if I thought you were right, I wouldn't be Baptist. I would be Presbyterian or I would go back to being a Lutheran or I would go be Catholic. So we already know we disagree. And if you've already heard all of the Baptist approach, what am I going to offer new? Clearly, I've heard the Lutheran approach. I was Lutheran. <laughs> Obviously, I've heard the Catholic approach. I had to write papers from a Catholic perspective, right? Clearly, I, oh, wait, I went to a school that was Presbyterian. I had to, I had to write papers from a Presbyterian view. So I know the views. So, so, so I, it was just so weird. And it was like, and immediately just like, it just felt like, was this a setup? Because I had no idea that I was walking into a group of people. I thought just one individual that he wanted to ask some basic questions where we could, I guess, maybe, I don't know, see where we disagreed, but I don't know what there was to see about. He'd already determined that I basically was in sin. I mean, without even knowing me, I'm, I'm declared to be in sin. Okay. And it was just so, it was so bizarre. It was just so like, I don't even, I still don't even really know what happened. It's like, it's like someone, it's like someone saying, Hey, come over. I've got a few questions for you. And you're like, okay. And you pull up in the driveway and you're like, that's weird. There sure is a lot of cars here. And then you walk in and it's like, okay, we're all here. And it's like, whoa, you're not even here to ask me questions. You're here to tell me how wrong I am. And it was it was the weirdest thing ever, right? And so then it was almost like I was wrong because I wouldn't push back. It's almost like I was wrong because I wouldn't engage in the argument. I was wrong because I guess my perspective is this is all a waste of time when really, no, no, though, this could be really good. This could benefit us all greatly. And I'm like, I don't know how this could benefit anybody. You already know my position and you've already disregarded it. You already think it's wrong. So what am I going to do? Hey, ladies and gentlemen, after all of these years of debate, I, I have figured out a new interpretation. Now, obviously, I'm not going to offer anything new under the sun. Now, now, I think two individuals having a meaningful conversation where both are seeking understanding, that can be beneficial. 
But just to call someone in under the pretense of discussion, <laughs> when it's really, I'm here to show you that you're wrong. I mean, this is the way it should have went. Hey, I would like to invite you to a chat where me and a couple of my friends are going to prove to you why you're in sin and why the Baptist doctrine is fraudulent. Okay, well, thank you for the invitation. I think I'll pass. I think I'll, I think I'll spend my afternoon running around the freeway seeing if I don't get hit by a semi because it would probably be more fun, more exciting, and more valuable. And it was, it was crazy. And once again, it demonstrated to me the unintended consequences of the Protestant Reformation. Look, you, you go to a system where the church is the authority. Luther calls into question the, the authority of the church. You have to agree to some level. And from Luther, the dam burst, and then people are like, no, it's not the church. We would say it's the scriptures. Now, I tried to point this out, and they, they completely did not understand my point and thought I was wrong. But listen to me. Because I think whether we want to admit this or not, this is the reality. They didn't want to admit it, but it's the reality. Here's what it turns into. We say the scriptures are the authority, but it's really my interpretation of the scripture that's the authority, right? Because they interpret the scripture a certain way, and they believe that that's authoritative. And if I offer an interpretation of the scripture, they don't believe it's authoritative. Then they started talking about the authority of the church fathers, but then at the same time admitted that the church fathers are only authoritative when they are in agreement with the scriptures. And so I pointed out, no, you mean the church fathers are authoritative when they agree with your interpretation of the scriptures. Because the minute you say they're authoritative as long as they agree with scripture, you mean your understanding of the scripture. Because what if I think I disagree with the, the church fathers because of my interpretation of the scripture. You would say that I'm wrong because you would believe their interpretation is right. But where they disagree with you, you would say they are wrong, but they would say you're wrong. It's just, it just, it just becomes a big game. And nobody's willing to admit that in the Christian world that, hey, everyone thinks that they're right. And I've said so many times, as much as we say we believe in sola scriptura, what we believe is in sola self. Now, I do believe the scriptures have a meaning. I do believe it's our job to figure it out, to interpret it, to read it, to understand it. I do believe that that's what we're supposed to do. But give me a break. If you think for one second that it's always the authority of scripture, it's the authority of your interpretation. And the minute you, someone disagrees with your interpretation, they're wrong and you're right. But trust me, their interpretation of scripture says that you're wrong. So then it's like, well, then whose interpretation is right? Everyone thinks that they are right. It was a bizarre. I, I, it was just, it was so, I, like, I've never had that happen to me. Hey, I would like to discuss this with you. Okay, I'll discuss it. And then I'm like, so how do we do this? Well, join this server thing, and I joined the server. And it's like, here's like seven people going, you're wrong. And I'm like, what just happened? I'm like, I don't understand what just occurred. And then no matter what I said, it's like there, nobody was like listening to me because I was trying to articulate, well, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. You believe your interpretation is right. I believe my interpretation is right. Then they were like, well, you don't rely on the history of the church. No, I love, and, and, and again, it, that's bizarre for someone, for a church like mine that's been so known for teaching church history. I felt it kind of weird that I was being, basically being told that I disregard church history, where I was simply trying to explain, it's not my authority, the scripture is my authority. And they were like, well, no, 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 the, the, the early church has to have some authority, and then they throw in, well, as long as they, as they agree with Scripture, and then I point out, no, no, as long as they agree with your interpretation of Scripture, but then they still, it was just, just weird, like, and no matter what I said, I was immediately being cut off, and immediately being told that I was wrong, but then it was basically like, I was in sin because I would not push back. I was, I would not push back. And I'm like, push back what? You already know the Baptist position. 
You already disagree with it. So what am I supposed to push back? So then they're like, well, you need to exegete the scripture. Like, I'm just supposed to, on the spot, on the spot, just go, let's, uh, clearly they don't know me because I will never just on the spot exegete a scripture. I'm going to say, okay, I'm going to disregard everything I've studied before. Let's exegete it anew. Let's, let's look at it in a new way. And I would work through it. But like for the Acts 2.37 passage, right? I mean, what, there's, how am I going to offer, a, they know the, the non-baptismal uh, regeneration view, right? Is it Acts 2.37? Um, I may be, uh, you know, Acts 2.38, I'm sorry. Acts 2.38, then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Some people understand that to mean, hey, repent and be baptized so your sins will be forgiven. And others people believe that you repent and are baptized because your sins have been forgiven in Christ Jesus. They don't, they disagree with the one way. They think their way is the right way and it's consistent with church history. Okay. All right. What do you want me to do? Like we could exegete that all day. You've got your way of exegeting it. I've got a different way of exegeting it. You think yours is right. You think mine is wrong. I could pull up, I could cut and paste commentaries that would give my argument. You would put uh, cut and paste commentaries that would give your argument. So here's the question that I, I'm, I'm posing today. I just, I, st- I state all of that just because I'm just, I got this just nervous feeling because I wasn't expect. I was just minding my own business. All I wanted to do today was try to have a good day. That's all I wanted. Try to have a good day. And next thing you know, I'm caught up into this weird thing that I did not like. It would be impossible for someone not to feel like it's a setup. It would be impossible for someone not to feel like a setup. It's like, here's these strangers who don't even know me. I guess it's, it's almost like they were holding an intervention and, and they kept trying to put forth, no, they, we just want to hear your view. You already know my view, okay? And, and they, one of them, I think, admitted that, hey, well, well, I do know the Baptist view. Of course. So then why are you calling me in here? Oh, well, then it became obvious because they think I'm in sin. And they've got to convince me that they're in sin because if they can convince me they're in sin, they could have a profound impact, not just on me, but on my entire congregation, because see, if they convince me, then I can convince my congregation that we should all become Presbyterians. Or my entire congregation would just go to another Baptist church and leave me there to, I guess, start a Presbyterian church. I don't know. But it was crazy. But here's my question today. When does a debate, when does a discussion become worthless? When does it cross a line to something valuable, beneficial, to something that just becomes worthless? Because I believe we have at least some warnings in scripture about this to some level. Now, there could be some debate. I mean, I mean, come on, let's be honest. No one's going to agree on how to interpret these verses, but I think it's just, there is at least a basic like, hey, you may want to be careful here and what you do. And I think the Proverbs would call us for some kind of like a warning to really like, when should we engage and when should you just learn to be quiet? Because I think there's a time and there's a place for these things. All right. Um, and I, I tend, I, I like this famous uh, quote, a conflict cannot survive without your participation. Right. <laughs> because, uh, because uh, because I wasn't going I, I wasn't going to just have never ending conflict. It felt like that's what it felt like to me. All right, um, and 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 sometimes those things it just feels like that the the goal is to win the debate, and when when Christianity becomes a debate in which you win, I don't think anyone ga- gains from it. I really don't. I really I I don't. I, but so just a couple of scriptures to consider. All right. 2 Timothy 2.14. I'm going to read it from this translation, and then I'll open up my my Bible and read it from a different one. I'm sorry, I'm knocking over the microphone. Um, Keep reminding God's people of these things. This is 2 Timothy 2.14. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. 
right? I'm going to open up 2 Timothy 2.14 and the Bible that I have currently sitting in front of me, 2 Timothy 2.14. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Now, there, there, there comes a point where we're striving about things of, and it's of no value. It's of no profit. And I just don't see the value and profit in striving about words. If you already know my position, already have disregarded that position. I know your position. I've already disagreed with that position. Now, I think if you build a relationship and get to know one another, you can have these conversations, but just like, boom, I'm just gonna, like, hey, open the door. You're here now. We're here to show you you're in sin. We're here to show you how wrong you are because we have the moral high ground. We're the scriptural ones. We're the spiritual ones. We're the godly ones. You, you are in sin because you don't baptize babies. Whoa. Okay. I wouldn't do that to a Presbyterian. I wouldn't do that to a Lutheran. I wouldn't do that to a Catholic. I wouldn't do that to anyone like that. I wouldn't try to do that to anyone. I'm willing to have the disagreement, but it has to be a way that's profitable. Right? I mean, I, I just, I, 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 I just, I just, I don't understand what happened. But we, we continue reading 2 Timothy 2.14. So of these things, put them in remembrance, but make sure we charge them not to strive about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. Study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. I understand that the King James says study to show thyself approved. I understand other translations doesn't state it that way, right? But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness, and their word will eat as doth a canker of whom is Hymenius and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already and overthrow the faith of some. Now, I understand that there's a time that we've got to stand against the, the wrong teaching of a Hymenius or a Philetus. I understand that there's a time we have to. But there's got to be, we have to kind of know exactly when we're engaging in a meaningful conversation and when we're not. Second Timothy 2, verse 23, we read this, but foolish and unlearned questions avoid knowing they do gender strifes. Now, is it a foolish and unlearned question when you're asking a question which you already know the answer to? Right? All right? I mean, if I, if I go to a charismatic and I start asking questions about their beliefs, I know they're, what they're going to base it off of, right? I know what they're going to base it off of. I know the scriptures about healing. I know the scriptures about tongues. So am I asking because I need them to explain it to me? Or am I asking because I simply want them to answer, not so that I can hear their answer, but so that I can immediately tell them that they're wrong? Like if I, if I message a charismatic and say, hey, I would like to talk to you about your charismatic beliefs. But then I ask a question, but I'm only asking the question so that I can immediately flip it on them to try to argue with them and prove them that they're wrong. Then is that really, is that a godly approach or is that really just kind of a worldly argumentative debate technique? I know the debate techniques. I was a part of the debate team, right? Went to state finals in, in the state of Texas. I know those little tricks. I'm asking you a question, not because I want an answer. I'm asking you a question. So the minute you commit to that answer, then I can show you, voila, gotcha, you're wrong. What is that? Is that godly? Avoid foolish and unlearned questions, knowing that they do gender strives. And that the servant of the Lord must not strive, but gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, and meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God preadventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. Now, I think we can patiently try to teach. We can patiently try to help. But you got to know when. Look, some people don't want to be taught. Some people don't want to be helped. There's a, there's a time and a place. There's a right way. When does the discussion, when does the debate become 
something worthless, something meaningless, something vain, something literally ungodly. Uh, I think it's Titus 3. Titus chapter 3, verse 1, put them in mind to be subject to the principalities and powers to obey magistrates, to be ready uh, to every good work, to speak evil of no man, to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing all meekness unto all men. For we ourselves also were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers lust and pleasures, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. Yeah, I think there's a right way to go about it. Right? I, I, I mean... I, there, there's got to be a, a sense of not a brawler, not a, not someone who just wants to argue and fight. So am I engaging in a, in a discussion or am I engaging in simply an argument? And they kept, I think a couple of times someone tried to make some argument. Well, I, I've had these discussions with someone and, and it was valuable. What It's valuable because they, supposedly they understood the position better than they did before. Maybe. But clearly it wasn't valuable in changing anyone's mind. Now, maybe you can change someone's mind. But I know this, if you want to change someone's mind, you may want to wait until maybe that person wants to actually, you let them know what you're about to do. Hey, I want to invite you to a conversation because I want to change your mind. Are you willing to have your mind changed today? Look, I don't care to listen to you. I'm here to change your mind because you're in sin. Trust me, that's a whole different way of going about it. Hey, I'm not really here to listen to you. I don't really care anything about you. I don't even know you. I don't even want to know you. I'm just here to have a, 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 a so-called discussion that's really in disguise, an intervention to show you that you're wrong so that you'll repent and become a Presbyterian because I am more convinced that you need to be a Presbyterian above all else. Uh, see, we've looked at Second Timothy. Uh, how about Titus three nine? 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 But avoid foolish questions and genealogies and contentions and strivings about the law, for they are unprofitable and vain. A man that is a heretic after the first and second admonition reject, knowing that he that is subverted and sinneth being condemned of himself. But again, there's, yes, there's a time we have to confront someone, but confront, confronting a complete stranger under the pretense that you want a discussion when really all you want to do is prove that that stranger is wrong, I, I, is, is, I just, I don't know. When does it become worthless? When, when do you feel Having the discussion. Look, there, there's plenty of times, even in our in our Discord channel, there's been a couple of times where it's, something's just going around and around, and I'm just like, look, what what do you want me to do? Yeah, like I, I, at some point, you just have to realize this this is not going anywhere. I think typically you do better when two individuals are like, hey, let's discuss this because I'm struggling with this and I want to figure this out too. But if you've already convinced and I'm already convinced. Rarely, I'm going to be able to change your mind. And if you're coming into the conversation to show me that I'm wrong, and I'm coming into the conversation to show you wrong, you know, the one thing we're not going to do is listen to one another. We're going to talk over each other or past one another. And, and guess what's going to be the end? An hour, two hours of your life that you will never get back. I mean, to me, it would be like, hey, you know, hey, I'm glad you're here. Uh, I know we may have some disagreements, but I like to, you know, let's. I like to get to know you first, and then maybe we could just have some, you know, some, uh, you know, conversations about some of these controversial issues. So, you know, so what is your background? You know, just some, but no, it was just like it was just so odd. I, I that's never happened to me ever. I mean, I, I guess the closest it's ever happened to me is when the Mormons hijacked me, or you know, basically set me up. Hey, we just have some questions for you. Next thing you know, there's like 10 Mormon elders all ready to, because the, the, the first Mormon missionaries, they got, they didn't know how to answer some of my questions. And the next thing you know, I'm basically high. I think we're just going to have another conversation. And it's like, it's like, like 12 people, 15 people. 
And I'm like, what just happened? Like, I'm, I'm so outnumbered and so outgunned. And you know how that works, right? If you're having a theological discussion with anybody, let, let's, say you're, let's say you're having a discussion with charismatics and you're the only non-charismatic. Boop, boop, boop. I mean, they're all like, as you say one thing, then this other person, they're like, well, what about this? And then what about this? And then what about this? You, you, you can barely hold your own in that situation. I, I, it was a weird day. So I, what I want to do is just use that as a learning experience. I, well, I want to use that as a question. I, I want to I use it as a learning experience. experience. I do. A, a learning experiment. A learning experience. And I want to take something from it. But I think for us here, as far as the audience to this podcast, when, when, when do you know this just this this has crossed the line. This is no longer valuable. This is no longer beneficial. This is no longer helpful. This has turned into just strife, division, fighting, or it just turns into just like I used to do in the debate team. We're just here to win an argument. We're just here to win an argument. And I think when theology becomes just to win an argument, congr- you win an argument. What do you get? Do you get a gold star? Do you get an extra crown? Do you get a reward? You say, well, I won the argument. That, winning an argument doesn't mean you convinced anyone of anything. You just walk around going, man, those Baptists sure are stupid. Those Baptists sure don't know anything. Those, and, and, and it was almost insinuated like somehow I don't know the scriptures about infant baptism or I don't know what the church fathers had to say about it. How many times have I read the church fathers? I don't even know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be doing another reading of the church fathers this year. I have a, oh man, I, it's just, it felt so weird. It's like, you do understand. I can know the church fathers. I can know the early church's commitment to infant baptism. And I know it's shocking. I don't have to believe what they believed. <laughs> you know, I don't have to believe what they believe. I know it's shocking. That's the Catholic argument. Well, if you really believe the church fathers, you would be Catholic. I believe the scriptures are the authority. But nevertheless, we can lay all that aside. The real issue is how do you, based off these scriptures, when does it become foolish? When does it become, when should we avoid those kind of conversations? Like, do you have kind of your own checklist? Like, okay, all right, wait. Once, once, like, here's your checklist, and once a conversation begins to meet that checklist, you realize you've now evolved into foolish, ignorant, divisive, circular reasoning, never-ending debate that subverts the hearers, ruins yourself, hurts everyone, and nothing of value comes from it. Now, that doesn't mean every debate and every argument is not valuable. I want to make sure because I think I, when I tried to explain this, they kept trying to argue, no, they can be valuable. Just because an argument can be valuable doesn't mean they always are valuable. And what I have to try to determine is what's really happening here. They, they, look, there was a time in my Christian life that I was in that, let's fight, let's fight. But now I'm into the stage that says, I'm tired of the fighting. I'm tired of the arguing. I'm tired of the debating. Everyone thinks they're right. Everyone thinks they're right. Everyone thinks their interpretation is right. In fact, someone in the the discussion said, well, the scriptures are clear. And I'm like, they're clear to you. And I think the scriptures are clear to me. And they're like, they could not process that. Well, isn't there only one meaning of scripture? Oh, I believe that there may be only one meaning of scripture. (laughs) But no one can agree on that meaning. If there, if there was agreement and it was simple, why are there thousands and thousands of different Protestant groups? And I even tried to explain that that, uh, I can't remember, I think we were in Revelation, I can't remember what passage. I did it at, 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 at Victory Baptist Church. I did it from the pulpit. We had one passage of scripture. We looked in 20, I think it was 20 commentaries, and we came up with 50 interpretations. They, they just kind of laughed it off, like, whatever, whatever, that doesn't matter. And then they tried to say that, well, for the first 1,500 years, there was pretty much agreement on this. This, this is what the church fathers all agreed upon. 
Well, then the only thing I could do was try to go through, I would have to then on the spot, try to go through all the church fathers and go, well, what about this? And what about this? And what about this? And what about, you know, but it doesn't matter. Who cares? I don't care if the church fathers were in one. Look, I don't care if the church fathers were in universal agreement about anything. Either they're the, if they're, look, I do understand it's great to have the church as the authority. I've often said going back to Roman Catholicism makes a lot of sense from a logical perspective because you have one source of authority. They say this is what the scriptures mean and you submit to that. There's a, I've, I've often said there's a, there's a, there's an elegance. There's a, there's a beauty and just that simplicity of that. Right. But, um, my thing is if I'm going to say scripture is the authority, it doesn't matter what the church said. It doesn't matter what the church said. Now I know there's danger in that, right? Because now I'm going with only my interpretation. That's dangerous. But in a roundabout way, anyone who won't submit to one church right? Say the Roman Catholic Church and that magisterium were all guilty. I mean, they even made, they even indicated that. Well, I agree with the church fathers as long as they agree with the scriptures, meaning as long as they agree with your understanding of the scripture. And they were offended that I would say that. They were like, that is not what we're doing. Well, if you're going to tell me you agree with a church father as long as they agree with scripture, you have to acknowledge that those church fathers that you think got the scriptures wrong would tell you that you're wrong. So now it's your interpretation versus the interpretation of the church fathers versus my interpretation. So if there's any place where you can disagree with the church fathers, but so then they say, no, it's the, it's the majority. So whatever the majority said, if the majority of the church father said something, that's what I'm supposed to believe. Well, I don't determine my understanding based off the majority because so then what I'm supposed to do is then go, I like... I'm just going to spend most of my time reading the church fathers to make sure I know what they said, and then that determines what I believe. Well, the scriptures don't tell me to go look to the church fathers. The scriptures would tell, look to the scriptures. Now, I believe in reading the church fathers. But the point is, I'm now, now I'm just going through all of the different things that were said to me in this weird conversation, but the reality is, see, at what point when you're listening to all of that do you realize this this what what am i doing when does this cross the line so for you where where is that line for you like i i really want i really want you if you want to help me out today i would love for you to email me newsif at yahoo.com newsif at yahoo.com and where do you draw that line because look this is a personal thing everyone's going to have a different place right i just maybe maybe i'm too Maybe I'm too cynical. Maybe I'm too jaded. Maybe I'm too discouraged. But I'm now very like, well, hey, if that, if, if, I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue with you. I'm not going to argue with you. And they basically acted like that I'm doing something horribly wrong as a pastor, that I'm in sin. Like, I mean, it was, it was a real encouraging discussion. Let me know. I was so built up. I was so happy to have that conversation today. To find out that I'm in sin, that I'm a horrible pastor, that I'm not doing the right, like basically I'm trash, I guess. And I, that was, that was always really good to be invited into a conversation that I thought was with one person that ended up with being multiple people to basically told that I'm not a good pastor and I'm in sin. I'm like, well, thank you. Thank you so very much. I appreciate this. This has made me feel great about myself. And at the same time, if they've ever listened to any of my preaching, they wouldn't understand that I will immediately say, this is what I think the truth is. Like they, 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 they kept making assumptions about me and they didn't. That's what was the most maddening thing. There was lots of assuming about me. There was a lot of jumping to conclusions about me with no, not even the, even a, the smallest understanding of who I am or anything about me. It was it was bizarre. So for you personally, I would like to know, where do you think? Are you good at, whoa, oh no, this conversation, stop. It's, it's done, it's done. We're entering into mindless, foolish disputes that are of no value, that's only gonna produce anger and frustration and hurt. Are you really good at figuring out where that line is? Or do you find yourself constantly getting involved in these kind of conversations? And then when it's all said and done going, 
what was, you feel all mad and angry and you were like, what good came from that? Like, where are, where, I want to know what your criteria is. What, what is your list of knowing? These texts that we just looked at warns us about it. Don't go there. Don't, don't fall into that. Now, I know they have very historical context and they're talking about certain specific arguments and certain specific things, but the general principle is applicable. Don't get yourself in these kind of mindless arguments, just endless debates that of no great value and hurt everyone involved. That's what I've been doing today. (laughs) Not a great start to the week, but you know what? It's kind of funny, and I'll end with this, that this week, for the next six to seven weeks, we're studying discernment. So in a roundabout way, here's a practical situation that requires some level of discernment, right? I need to have keen foresight. And what, what's, the end, what's the end game here in this conversation? What's really happening here? What's the real goal here in this conversation? What, are we even really listening to one another or everyone just citing their position already convinced the other side is wrong? So we're just like, this requires discernment to see really what's really going on and making the determination of what's the best course of action and how to handle it. Email me, newsif at yahoo.com, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. And just, I'm going to just make some reference to these scriptures again. Keep reminding God's people of these things. Warn them before God against quarreling about words. It is of no value and only ruins those who listen. I'm not going to say that the conversations today immediately met this criteria, but it definitely felt like it. And I definitely know this. I did not come out the better for it. Came out more discouraged and frustrated by it. Felt that I was set up. And kind of realized there's no real point pursuing it. And I don't really know how I ended up in in it in any way, shape, or form. But I'm glad that I finally did end it, and I'm glad that I do have this outlet to turn on the microphone and share my frustrations because it's far better to turn on the microphone and share them than walking around an empty room talking to yourself about them. And maybe my frustrations will mean something to someone else who's experienced similar frustrations, And we can benefit and help one another with them. All right. Newsif at yahoo.com. Newsif at yahoo.com. I don't know how we will, uh, how, what the broadcasting is going to look at, look like the rest of the day or the evening. Maybe we'll do some evening, late night broadcast. I don't know. I know currently it's about 127 degrees in the studio because here in West Texas, it decided to get close to 80 degrees right now. I think it's 70, I don't know. I think it's 75 degrees outside, something crazy. So, um, but, uh, other than that, yeah, it's a wonderful day. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. All right. Thank you for listening. God bless.